praise, church. I want every, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Just remain standing and we're going to let God have his way. God is, is in control. God is up to something. God's been moving all day. This is a real serious service, real serious message. And I want you to, I want you to surrender right now to give God your undivided attention. The devil's going to do everything he can to distract you. I'm talking about to the point during the invitation, the fire alarm went off. The devil's doing everything he can to keep you from making a decision for Christ. And I want you to make a commitment right now. No matter what, God's got my undivided attention. No matter what, I'm going to give him my best in this service today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. As we study your word, Lord, that you will give us an understanding and a comprehension of what you're doing in this place. God, this is really serious. Probably, probably even more than we realize. Because you take the Lord's Supper seriously. And God, I pray that your will be done. I love you and I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people say it. I want you to remain standing for just a moment. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. How many of y'all are glad Mr. Stephen Harris has come and rededicated his life to Christ? Right here before church even starts. Amen. God bless you, Stephen. Amen. That's a good place to start. Amen. Now listen, here's what we're going to do today. There's a lot of things in church, there's a lot of things in church that happens that, that most people who have never gone to church, they don't understand. Uh, we do a lot of weird stuff. We raise our hands, uh, we talk to people we can't see, say amen. You know, we pray to something we can't see by faith, we know God is there. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, we, we call each other brother and sister, you know, that's a little weird to some people. And, and, and a lot of times, stuff that we take for granted stuff that we take for granted because we grew up in church. I did. I grew up in church my whole life, so I speak Christianese real good. Amen? And and stuff that, that I just take for granted, a lot of people, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we're living in a generation where there's people in their, in their high teens and early 20s who've never been to church. They don't have a clue what we're talking about when we talk about some stuff, and this is one of them. One of the ordinances of the church, the Lord's Supper, uh, communion, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, is, is, is highly misunderstood and this is what we're doing this morning this is going to be more of a Sunday school lesson if you will than it would be I guess a preaching time but I want you to understand what this is about because this is deadly serious uh, uh, this morning is about tonight now say it with me this morning is about tonight what we're going to do this morning is going to prepare us for what we'll experience tonight. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, we'll find that Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, a church that had issues, a church that had problems, a church that where there were spoiled brats in the, in the, in the, in the uh, service of God. They couldn't get along with each other. They, they, had, they, they argued and they fussed and there was divisions among them because they were not doing and, and were not what God wanted them to do. 
One of the things that was happening is they were, they were disrespecting the Lord's Supper. They were, they were irreverently using the communion, and God was displeased with it to the point that many of them were sick because of it, and many of them had died. In other words, God takes this so seriously that he killed some people for not taking it serious enough. His people. Now, we're going to go into detail about that in just a moment, but I want you to see this letter to this particular congregation from the Apostle Paul, and he's wanting to explain the Lord's Supper and, and help them to do it right. If there's anything we need to get right in the church and in worship, it's the Lord's Supper. It is that serious. So let's look in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. Have you found your spot? Listen, he has already instructed them in what they were doing wrong and the things that in detail that they were doing wrong. So he now is going into teaching mode in verse number 23. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in what? Remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as ye drink it, in... For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show, the word show there means to declare or proclaim, ye do proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now... Be careful to think that he's saying that you have to be worthy to take it because there is no human being worthy to take it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all in the same boat. We are all in the same place. We come all to Jesus the same way. The ground is level at the cross. Say amen. This word uh, unworthily means irreverently. Irreverently. It means with the attitude that you come to it and how you treat it in a careless manner. He said, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily or irreverently, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or have died. That's what that means. They've died. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, those two verses are really important. What he is saying there is if we will take care of it, he won't have to. In other words, there's been times in my life that my parents gave me an opportunity to fix something or straighten something up, and if I didn't, they would. Are you all with me? God is that way. God is that way. Nothing's going to get by him. Nothing, he's not going to let anything slide. If he sees something in his children that needs to be corrected, that needs to be dealt with, he will deal with it. But I'm glad he'll always give us an opportunity to deal with it before he does. Now, now, here's the thing. He says, I do not judge you or chastise you or deal with you because I hate you, but because I don't want you to be condemned with the world. Y'all with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, please anoint your word. We need your help. Everyone in this room needs your help. I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord's Supper. 
When did it begin? The Bible says that, that Paul is explaining to the, to the Corinthian church, he said, in that same night, what night? The night of his arrest. The night that they came and betrayed him. The night that he went into the garden of Gethsemane and began to pray and great drops of blood began to pour out of his pores because he was praying to God, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He, the same night, he took the disciples and he desired to have a fellowship meal with them, if you will. He desired time to spend with them because he knew what was at hand. He knew his hour had come. He knew that it was almost up. And he wanted to spend some time of fellowship, a time of, uh, of, of sweetness with his disciples. It was that same night that he got down and washed their feet because the disciples still had a bad attitude. They still were prideful. They were still arrogant. They were still at that place where they thought it was all about him or all about them. And he got down and washed their feet and tried to teach them the understanding that, listen, joy is not going to come from what other people do for you. Joy, real joy, is going to come by what you do for other people. And in that same night, the Bible says after the meal was over, after he washed their feet, after he ministered to them and taught them, the Bible says he reached down of the table and he took the bread. And see, Jesus was a master. Jesus was a master at using vivid, living illustrations and to teach a principle or a truth. He would, take a, he would take something that was very familiar to us like the vine and the branches and he would, he would take the fig tree and he would use that as an illustration to teach a truth. And this is what he was doing here. There are some people, there are some people and denominations that believe that this bread supernaturally turns into the very body of Christ when we take it. That's not the truth. That's not what this is teaching. He just used a, a, a visual aid to teach them a principle. Are y'all with me? And he took the bread, and he took that bread, and the Bible said that he blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he goes over, and he takes the wine and pours the wine out. And he said, this wine, this, this, this juice is a type of the blood of the New Testament. This is my blood that is shed for you. What's the point? We're not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold. We're redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Are y'all with me? And he is teaching them this, and he is teaching them this principle, and he is telling them, listen, always remember, never forget. We, we, we are instructed, even through baptism, the two ordinances of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, both of them teach a principle, and both of them help us remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, God never said to remember His birth. We like to do that. We love to uh, build mangers and remember and have Christmas pageants and all that. But the one thing that God said never forget is the price that was paid. Now, what is the Lord's Supper? What is this all about tonight? What, what are we going to do when we come together tonight? Uh, listen, and this is not it. None of this will be given to y'all tonight, so don't get excited when I preach and spit a little bit, all right? It's been on today, and I've just been going after it, and it dawned on me. I saw a little speck fly out, and I didn't want nobody to think you was going to get that. Amen? That's just holy water, by the way. Amen? What is this all about? What is communion about tonight? First, if you're taking notes, write this down. What is communion? Number one, it's a time. It's a time 
of remembrance. It's a time of remembrance. He said, as often as you take this cup, as often as you take this bread, do in remembrance of me. It's simple. It really is. It's not confusing. It's not hard to understand. He just wanted you to take time, take time in your life to regularly remember his death. Remember what's going on. Say, preacher, what do we need to remember? Two things. Two things. I believe this. We need to remember the reality of his sufferings. The reality of his sufferings. I think sometimes we forget exactly what happened on Calvary. I think really most Christians forget. I've seen people have this image in their mind and, and they, they put it on paper, an artist put it on paper that he was just like this being that floated around the earth and had this halo around his head and, and he, he, was, he was this angelic creature who had no feelings. And let me tell you something. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. Everything that you feel, he felt. Everything that hurts you, hurts him. Every, listen, when you cut him, he bleeds just like you bleed. He was a hundred percent man. He hungered. Listen, he thirsted at the well. He was there. He was all God, but he was all man. And we need to understand, he suffered immensely. He suffered tremendously for you and me. They took him and arrested him that night. The closest friends that he had run out on him. The closest friends that he had abandoned him and left him to face death alone. He was by himself. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends and kissed him on the cheek and put him in the place. He was. They had a mock trial and they began to pluck out his beard and they began to spit him in the face and they took a cat of nine tails. The Roman soldiers pulled his back tight on the pole and they took a cat of nine tails and they begin to hit him what is that nine strands and nine straps that come out with balls of steel that are woven and, and sewn into those straps with with steel and glass and rock that was in there and when they would hit you across the back those balls would bust and, and put bruises in the in the the rocks in the glass and the metal shards would rip and tear the flesh apart What's the point? The Bible says that Jesus was beaten to the point that you could not even tell that he was a man. He was beaten and battered and bruised. And they took a crown of thorns with thorns to two inches to two and a half inches long and beat them down into his skull. They took a cross, made him carry the cross till he was too weak to carry it. They took him to a hill called Calvary and they began to nail him on a cross. They began to nail him to that cross. And as he cried out in agony, they began to mock him even the more. Listen, every time we come, we need to remember the reality of his suffering. He suffered alone. They hung him on a tree in between you, God, and the world and stripped him naked shamefully before man. Mocked him the whole time. Preacher, what do we need to remember? The reality of his sufferings. But not only that, we need to remember the reason for his sacrifice. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? The Bible says in that night before his arrest, in that night before his arrest, they went into the garden of Gethsemane. The Gethsemane means olive press, which is very significant about what was going on in him. He was under such pressure. 
that as they squeeze, listen, as you would squeeze the olive and the, the blood of that olive would come out, the, the oil of that olive would come out, that anointing would come out. Listen, he was being squeezed in that garden. And he was under such pressure and under such strain and he was praying out. Now you got to understand this. Listen, he was praying out, Father, I know all things are possible with thee. I know all things are possible with thee. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Father, I know you can do anything. I know all things are possible with you. Oh, Father, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Father, three times he cried out to his Father in heaven and said, Oh, oh, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Why did he do it? Why did he do something that he craved and begged his Father? Bible says he endured the cross despising the shame why for the joy that was set before him what was the joy that was set before him he said this this is my body which is broken for This is my body, which is broken for you. If you want to know the reason for his sacrifice, just look in the mirror. If you want to know what kept him there, just look in the mirror. If you want to know why he did it, if you want to know why he suffered, if you want to know why he stayed and he fulfilled and he went all the way, just look in the mirror. The Bible says, greater loveth no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. That's a great verse. It is true, too. But there's only one problem. We were not his friend. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love. That means put on display. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet, Christ died for us. We were not his friend. We abandoned him. It was our sins that put him on the cross. Yet when they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was dying for the ones that was killing him. Are y'all with me? Oh, what do we need to remember? We need to remember who we are and what he did. Are y'all with me? Remember the reality of his suffering. Remember the reason for his sacrifice. It's you. It's me. How many of y'all are glad he died for you? Number two. Number two. See, this is real simple. What's this all about? He said, let's look in, in, our, in our word there. He says in verse number, verse number 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, the body, and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, help me, but let a man examine himself. This is not only a time of remembrance, it's a time of re-examination. God is giving us an opportunity to take inventory of our life. 
re-examination. Do you all remember the very first devotion that we had getting ready for the revival? If we're ever going to experience revival in our heart, if we're ever going to be right with God, the first thing we need to do is what? Examine ourselves. I put in the, in, in the notes there the same, the same verse. Look, can you put that up for me? You got the Psalms? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way <coughs> everlasting. Examine me. Search me. God, is there anything in my life that doesn't need to be there? Why? Why? Because this is the deal. Paul knew something that we all need to know. There is a cleansing. Say this with me. There is a cleansing necessary for fellowship. Say that with me. There is a... Everybody say it again. There is a... Now what's the point? The moment I got saved, the moment I trusted Christ as my Savior, God washed my sins away. Done deal. Zero. I mean, my record was clean. My record was pure. My record was holy. We experienced justification. Justification means just if I had never sinned. When God looks at me, he looks at me just like he looks at his son, pure and white as snow. Say amen. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And I'm glad. I'm glad. He washed my sin away. But. Living in this life, we get dirty. Living in this life, we, we make mistakes, we get attitudes. And, we, and, and living in this life, sometimes issues come between us and God. So how do you know? Because the Bible says, that if any say that they have no sin, he's a liar and the truth ain't in him. And it says, it says this, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, if you come in here and praise God on Sunday and do clubbing on Friday, you don't, you, you, you're kidding yourself. If you come in here and sing Amazing Grace and go out with a grudge in your heart against somebody else, you go out with bitterness in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart, you're just kidding yourself. There is a cleansing that's necessary for fellowship. Now you say, why do I want fellowship? I'll tell you why. Because you're getting your eyes beat out by the devil. Now doesn't the Bible say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Doesn't the Bible say that? Doesn't the Bible say that we're more than conquerors? I'm not just a conqueror. I'm a more than conqueror. I'm a super conqueror. Are y'all with me? Now that, there's only one problem. That's not happening in America today. Christians are getting their eyes beat out of the devil. They're not enjoying the Christian walk. They're enduring it. They're going through their life just trying to keep their head above water. They're going through their life hoping they don't mess up. They're not walking in victory. They're not walking in joy. They're not walking in peace. You know why? Because the Bible says, in His presence, in His presence is fullness of joy. In His presence is fullness of joy. And the Bible also says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, here we are over here trying to fight the devil, waking up every day of our life, trying to keep our head above water, trying to live the Christian life, going out as a soldier of God, and we don't have no strength, we don't have no power, we're anemic, and we don't have no joy, and the reason we have no strength is because we have no joy, and the reason we have no joy is because we haven't been in His presence, and because we can't be in His presence if we're walking in darkness. 
You say, but preacher, I'm not robbing a bank. I'm not cussing and raising Cain. I'm not running around on my wife. Listen, it's not about walking in complete darkness. God don't even allow a stroll in the shade. And we got Christians that are having no joy and no peace because they haven't been in the presence of God. There's something about the presence of God. Even when you're in the midst of turmoil, if you're in the presence of God, there's joy. Joy that the devil can't take away. Joy that the world will not affect. Joy that circumstances won't do anything about. It doesn't matter if it's all hell on earth in your life. You will still have it if you know how to get into his presence. And you can't get in his presence. You can't get in his presence if you got sin in your life. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Well, what do we do, preacher? You just say we're not perfect and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to get dirty. Thank God it also says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all with me? When me and my wife got married, we in a relationship. We have fellowship. Say amen. But sometimes we have issues. And those issues create a problem with fellowship. Hmm. Now, listen, that don't mean we're not married no more. That doesn't mean we're not family anymore. It just means there's a problem. It doesn't mean that she don't hate me. She may dislike me a lot, but she don't, I don't hate her. But there's a problem. But if we fix the problem, we can have fellowship. And I like fellowship. Y'all with me? Some of y'all ain't had fellowship with God in a while. You know why? Because it's about time we have the Lord's Supper where you can re-examine your heart. And come to, now let me say this too. I'm going to get some of y'all right here. I'm going to get some of y'all right here. I've been doing this a long time. Long time. It's all I've ever known. Church is all I've ever known. Worship's all I've ever known. And this is what I've, I've, I've watched people do. They know the seriousness of the Lord's Supper. And in the, in the Lord's Supper, I've watched them. I've watched them do like this. And, and when it comes time... You know, we got to do it a little different because we've got so many people, but in most churches, the deacon or the one of the ushers will help pass it out. And, and, and as he's passing by, they'll go. Because they know, they know there's something there. And in their minds, they think they're being more spiritual because they declined the Lord's Supper. Because I know I've got it. I've got that is, there's nothing spiritual about that. That is not revealing your spirituality. That's revealing your stubborn and rebellious heart. Because the whole purpose of this is so we can re-examine ourselves. God said we need to do this regularly, and we need to do it a little bit more around here than we do. 
There's no, there's no set, you don't, you know, some people do it every service, some people do it once a week, some people, whatever, uh, but the Bible just says as often as you do. And I think God gives us this opportunity so we can examine ourselves. Because sometimes we don't take inventory unless we have to. And if I know God's going to make me be sick or kill me, if I don't take inventory, I'm going to take inventory. Are y'all with me? Oh, come on, preacher. Let me tell you something. There is a necessary cleansing for fellowship. But not only that, there is a noted, a noted correction and chastisement for foolishness. The Bible says because you've been irreverent, because you have, you have treated the Lord's Supper the way you have, there are consequences. This is just motivation to get right. Paul is not saying this so you'll be too afraid to take the Lord's Supper. He's giving you this so you'll have an opportunity to get right. Are y'all with me? I get frustrated sometimes, man. I really do. Sometimes, I, 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 as a pastor, I get frustrated because when I, when I say, listen, if God's dealing you, if you, if you don't know for 100% sure if you used to die right now, you'd go to heaven. And you'd like for me to pray for you. If you're not saved, you'd like for me to pray for you. Man, I, and people raise their hand, and when they don't come forward, I get frustrated. I want to get saved forward, man. I just want to, why do you know what you need, but you won't do it? What is the problem? Don't you understand dying without Christ means you're going to hell? But then I get frustrated too with God's children. Because we can be just as stubborn. We're not, we're not here. We're not here today. We're not here today because God's got a roll book in heaven and he's checking you off. We're not, we're not here today so we can keep up our religious calendar. Because we're supposed to be in church on Sunday. We're here to get better. We're here to get closer to God. We're here to get things out of our lives that don't need to be there. We're here to put things in our life that does need to be here. Are y'all with me? Why? Because God don't play. God is serious. He takes this Christian walk seriously. And it's about time we do. Preacher, what's the point? Our point is, he's given you a chance to fix it. What if I don't? He will. And you probably are not going to like the way he does it. There's so many people who could stand and testify right now and say, you better listen to the preacher. I could stand been times in my life I didn't listen. And I paid for it. Church, say amen. Number one, this is a time tonight as we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's a time of what? Number one, let's remember what he did. Let's not forget the sacrifice that was made just for us. Number two, it's a time of what? Let's get right. I remember my dad always doing com communion and he would always have a, a, a moment of silence. That if you need to make something, something right, go ahead and make it right. He'd have an altar call before so that in case there was something. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give that this morning 
so you don't have to wait till tonight. Let's make it right. We've had people in the other services weeping and going to people in the service and say, look, I did you wrong. I'm, I'm talking about weeping because they want to be right tonight. Four people's already gotten saved because they want to be right. This is a time of re-examination, but not only that, lastly, it's a time of rededication. Say, preacher, I'm saved, and I don't really believe there's anything in my life that doesn't need to be there. Well, let me ask you a question. How is your ambition level? How is your appreciation level? If, if, if the, the, the gauge in your life, as far as your appreciation for God and what He did for you, is the blinking light on? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Apparently y'all don't put $5 a gallon at a time like I do. Amen. How many of y'all know what I mean by that blinking light? That means, dummy, you're fixing to walk, all right? Sometimes there's a light blinking in our heart because our appreciation level for God is not where it's supposed to be. If our appreciation level for God's where it's supposed to be, we wouldn't, we wouldn't whine about what we're supposed to wear. We wouldn't, we wouldn't whine about dressing modestly. We wouldn't whine about turning the other cheek. We wouldn't whine about giving our tithes and offerings. We sure wouldn't steal from God and not give anything. Why? He gave it all. I know what God asks of us is a big deal. I know that. I know true discipleship is we're to love him more than anything else in this world. But don't he deserve it? Boy, we need to appreciate him. If somebody came into your life and had a gun to your head and somebody else snatched that gun out of there, you would be the most grateful person that ever walked this planet. There's nothing that they could ask from you. You wouldn't be willing to do it. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't just die on the cross for you. He died on the cross instead of you. We need to appreciate it. And all God's people said.